Turn your Bibles to 1 Samuel 29 as we're back on our study through Samuel. 1 Samuel 29, verse 1. Now the Philistines had gathered all their forces at Aphek, and the Israelites were encamped by the spring that is in Jezreel. As the lords of the Philistines were passing on by hundreds and by thousands, and David and his men were passing on in the rear with Achish, the commanders of the Philistines said, What are these Hebrews doing here? And Achish said to the commanders of the Philistines, Is this not David, the servant of Saul, king of Israel, who has been with me now for days and years? And since he deserted to me, I have found no fault in him to this day. But the commanders of the Philistines were angry with him. And the commanders of the Philistines said to him, Send the man back, that he may return to the place to which you have assigned him. He shall not go down with us to battle, lest in battle he become an adversary to us. For how could this fellow reconcile himself to his Lord? Would it not be with the heads of the men here? Is not this David of whom they sang to one another and danced as Saul has struck down his thousands and David his ten thousands? Then Achish called David and said to him, As the Lord lives, you have been honest, and to me it seems right that you should march out and in with me in the campaign. For I have found nothing wrong in you from the day of your coming to me to this day. Nevertheless, the lords do not approve of you. So go back now and go peaceably, that you may not displease the lords of the Philistines. And David said to Achish, But what have I done? What have you found in your servant from the day I entered your service until now, that I may not go and fight against the enemies of my lord the king? And Achish answered David and said, I know that you are as blameless in my sight as an angel of God. Nevertheless, the commanders of the Philistines have said, He shall not go up with us to this battle. Now then, rise early in the morning with the servants of your lord who came with you, and start early in the morning and depart as soon as you have light. So David set out with his men early in the morning to return to the land of the Philistines, but the Philistines went up to Jezreel. And may God add his richest blessing to the reading of this portion of his holy word. Will you pray with me, please? Again, our Father, we thank you for your word, and we pray that by the power of your spirit that you would come and that you would speak your word to us. We ask that you would open our ears, that we would hear the voice of our good shepherd and know him and follow him. We ask that you would open our eyes, that we would see our Lord Jesus Christ high and lifted up. We pray you'd open our hearts, that we might offer them to you promptly and sincerely, in spite of the inability and sin of the preacher. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Be seated, please. Strategic planning. You remember that back before the Christmas holiday, the Philistines were fixing to attack Israel. We were looking at that earlier in chapter 28 from the perspective of King Saul. King Saul heard they were assembling for attack and, and he was worried, so worried that he went to see a witch to conjure up dead Samuel from the grave. And Samuel came back and told Saul that it was all over. The next day, he would die in battle. But before we get to that battle, we must remember the 
plot is thick. David and his 600 fighting men are with the Philistines. They've been with the Philistines Sometime we read in verse 3 of our text, they've been with the Philistines for some years. Now, so far, David and his men have been able to get by with making raids on the enemies of Israel and then coming back and lying to the Philistines, King Achish, and telling him that they were attacking Israel. But now the Philistines are going to attack Israel. And David and and his men find themselves in a terrible situation. Are they going to have to attack their own people? Now, you remember that David had given up hope of not being killed by King Saul, so he went over to the Philistines. That's how he got in this jam in the first place. He said, Saul's going to kill me. I got to get out of Israel and, and go to the Philistines. He never became a Philistine, never helped the Philistines, although all his time he was tricking the king into thinking he was. He was simply hiding out. But that was David's plan. And now the Philistines are making their plans for battle with Israel. But David has his plans and the Philistines are making their plans, but above it all, we see that the Lord has plans of his own. And those are the plans that really matter. Strategic planning. Now let's get into it. First in this passage, we see God's presence with his people. God's presence with his people. Look at verse one. Now the Philistines had gathered all their forces at Aphek and the Israelites were encamped by the spring that is in Jezreel as the lords of the Philistines were passing on by hundreds and by thousands and David and his men were passing on in the rear with Achish. The commanders of the Philistines said, what are these Hebrews doing here? And Achish said to the commanders of the Philistines, is this not David? the servant of Saul, king of Israel, who's been with me now for days and years, and since he deserted to me, I have found no fault in him to this day. But the commanders of the Philistines were angry with him, and the commanders of the Philistines said to him, Send a man back that he may return to the place to which you have assigned him. He shall not go down with us to the battle, lest in battle he become an adversary to us. For how could this fellow reconcile himself to his Lord? Would it not be with the heads of the men here? Is not this David of whom they sang to one another in dances? Saul has struck down his thousands and David his ten thousands. So you see what's happening. David, he's, he's hoodwinked King Achish into thinking he's on his side. But the commanders smell a rat. They know better than that. They, they come to, to King Achish and say, what is David and What are these men doing with us? We're about to attack Israel. They're Israelites. 
David is the one of whom they sang. You remember that was the, the origin of all the conflict between David and Saul. David killed Goliath, the Philistine giant. And the Israelites began to sing their song after the battle. Saul, he's killed thousands. David killed 10,000. Saul was eaten up with jealous rage. And the commanders say to Achish, isn't this the one that they've been singing about who's killed his tens of thousands of, of us? And now you're going to take him into battle against his own people? But David has really fooled Achish. He says he's been with me for, for days and years and I completely trust him. He's been a great help to me. David has actually been of no help to Achish and the Philistines. He's been helping Israel. But he has him fooled. But the commanders of the army are angry and they insist. Send David and his men away. We take them into battle with us. They will turn on us. And so reluctantly, King Achish is forced to send David away. Now, in these first few verses, we see no mention of the Lord God. But his fingerprints, as it were, yes, I know God is a spirit and doesn't have a body. You know what I mean. Fingerprints are all over this passage. Philistines and it, Israelites are about to have a great battle. And David's in a terrible situation. And the Lord works through the commanders of the Philistines to get David out of the situation. You see there's a tremendous contrast between David and Saul. Both of them find themselves in a terrible situation in the middle of the same impending battle. King Saul, you remember, heard the Philistines were assembling for battle against him and he was terrified. And he sought the Lord and the Lord did not answer him in any way. And so he turned to witchcraft. What he himself had banned by his own decree, he turned to it in sheer desperation 
Saul had rejected the Lord. And now the Lord has given Saul over. The Lord has rejected Saul. David, on the other side, is stuck amongst the Philistines. But the Lord has not abandoned him. The Lord is still with him. Psalm 23, it says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Now, I don't know every English translation of Psalm 23, and I always prefer the authorized King James. As far as I know, they all say, follow me, but a a better translation would be, goodness and mercy shall pursue me, shall be in hot pursuit of me. And even in the Philistine camp, goodness and mercy pursue David who would write those words surely goodness and mercy shall follow me God has not abandoned his servant Saul has been given over to his own devices. He has rejected the word of God, the will of God. He has trusted his own designs and plans. And God has withdrawn his presence and his word and given him over. But he's always with his servant. Even in the enemy camp. Even in the valley of the shadow of death. Thou art with me. God is there. Working in the common sense of the Philistine generals to take care of his servant, David. So we see God's presence with his people. The Lord's presence with his people. And secondly and finally in this passage, we see the Lord's plans for all events. His plans for all events. Look at verse six. Then Achish called David and said to him, as the Lord lives, you have been honest 
And to me, it seems right that you should march out and in with me in the campaign, for I have found nothing wrong in you from the day of your coming to me to this day. Nevertheless, the lords do not approve of you. So go back now and go peaceably that you may not displease the lords of the Philistines. And David said to Achish, but what have I done? What have you found in your servant from the day I entered your service until now that I may not go and fight against the enemies of my Lord the king? And Achish answered David and said, I know that you are as blameless in my sight as an angel of God. And nevertheless, the commanders of the Philistines have said, he shall not go up with us to the battle. Now then, rise early in the morning with the servants of your Lord who came with you and start early in the morning and depart as soon as you have light. So David set out with his men early in the morning to return to the land of the Philistines. But the Philistines went up to Jezreel. Now, you note uh, that God has a sense of humor. And we see it manifested in this passage. In, in verse 6, the first time the proper name of God, God in any way is mentioned in this passage, Achish says to David, as the Lord, you notice that's all capital, and he calls it not just some Philistine God, he's talking about the true God of Israel, as Jehovah lives, you have been honest. David has lied to King Achish every single day for however many years he's been there. But he's a, he's a good liar. He, he has Achish fooled. The Philistine king, uh, not a, David has been so honest that, that or he has fooled Achish into, he's been into thinking he's so honest and trustworthy that through his deceit, he's got... King Achish swearing by the name of Jehovah God. He's putting some stock in David's God now. And it's all based on a lie. But he, he tells him, I want you to go with me. I trust you, but my, my commanders are angry with me. They don't trust you to go into battle and fight your own people. I'm going to have to ask you to leave. David has his out. He's got an out from this sticky situation. And yet, you see, in verse 8, David turns around and protests. What have I done? What have you found in your servant from the day I entered your service until now? Why can't I go fight with you? Now, many of the commentators say this was just foolishness on David's part. Look, you got your out. Why are you, why are you arguing? Take it and go. Well, you know, David, clearly he's a good actor. I think he, he has a feel for this. He's putting on a performance. But the king insists. I trust you, but I have to go with my generals. You see, the Lord gets David 
out of a terrible situation of having to be in the middle of an attack against his own people. But as we will see when we get in chapter 30, God willing, next Lord's day, the Lord has a plan not only to get David out of this situation, but to get David into the situation he needs to be in. Because there is an attack from the Malachites and they take captive Hebrew women and the Lord moves David out to where he can defeat the Amalekites and rescue the women and children that have been captured. You also notice that the Lord gets David out of a situation where he could turn on the Philistines. Now this is what the commanders were Worried about, if you look in verse 4, at the very end of it, they say, lest in the battle he become an adversary to us. This, no doubt, is what David would have done had he been in that situation. He and his 600 men in the thick of the battle would have turned on the Philistines. And they would have been in a strategic place. But the Philistines needed to kill Saul that day. Or at least injure him where he'd have to finish himself off. That was the plan. The plan, God's plan, was not for David and his 600 men to flip in the middle of the battle and win the day. No, it was already decreed that that day Saul would die. David is moved by the hand of God to the exact place he is supposed to be. The Lord has a plan that encompasses all events, even the bad ones. Ephesians 1.11, the Apostle Paul writes that God works all things according to the counsel of his will. All things. Not all good things. Not all things that work out the way we always hoped they would. Everything. God worked out David making this foolish decision, running away and going to the Philistines. He worked through all of it to have his man in the right place at the right time 
and out of the wrong place. He has a plan that covers everything. Now, you may ask, you may object and say, how can a good God have a plan that includes sinful actions? Understand that God plans for good things to happen. But how could a good God plan for bad things to happen? Well, let me answer that question with another question. Do you want to go to heaven? Do you want to be saved? Do you want to have your sins forgiven? You know what it took for you to go to heaven? Have your sins forgiven? Be saved? It took a sin. It took a crime. It took an injustice. It took a conspiracy. It took a betrayal. In fact, it took the worst sin, the worst crime, the worst injustice, the worst conspiracy, and the worst betrayal that has ever been carried out on this earth. The absolute worst crime sin, injustice of all time. It took the crucifixion of the Son of God. Can you think of anything in the history of the world any worse than that? You can't because there's not. Yet, on the day of Pentecost, The apostle Peter, when the Holy Ghost came down on him, stood up and stated the obvious. Jesus Christ was delivered to be crucified according to the determined plan and foreknowledge of God. You have crucified with lawless hands. Evil hands took Jesus and crucified him. And in so doing, they accomplished exactly what God in his determined plan and foreknowledge had planned out for the salvation of the world. God not only plans all things, including the bad things, but he plans to bring good out of them. He brought the greatest good in the history of the world, that is the salvation of the world out of the worst crime ever committed on the face of the earth. 
you see the presence of God with his people and you see the plan of God that extends to all things. David and Saul. You know, the scripture says that people don't like to retain God in their mind, live by his word, be thankful to him. It says God gives them over. That's his judgment. He gives them over to what you want, what they want. I remember I learned a lesson as a child. Many of us learned this same lesson as a child. I was at my granddaddy's house and I was trying to get into a room he was in and he told me not to come in and it was an old house built in the in the 1930s and had big heavy wooden doors and, and I tried to push on that door and he stood on the other side of the door pushing back against me and I kept pushing my little five-year-old frame as hard as I could and he taught me a lesson I've never forgotten. You know what he did. He just backed up and let go. And I pushed through that door and slammed it into the wall and I ran into the other wall. And I learned don't do that because you could be given over to what you want. He'll turn loose. And that's what God, that's how he judges people. They tug and tug and tug. And one day he may turn loose of that chain. Or they push and push and push trying to get in that door. They got no business going in. And one day he may turn loose. And that's what's happened to Saul. He's been given over. But you know the same scripture, in fact the same book, it says God gave them over. It also says God works all things together for the good of those who love him who are the called according to his purpose. And you know, he goes on and he mentions things like persecution, nakedness, peril, sword, and death for his people, for those who love him. He works the worst for good. This is a true God. The God who is always with his people. And the God who always has a plan for all things. For the good of his people. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.